Welcome to the China Team China Webinar, Market Opportunity for German Green Tech Companies, in partnership with Asia Biz Stories. Thank you, Neville. You did all the wonderful groundwork and uh, introduced us all so well. So, the panel today works against the background that um, green technologies have become accentuated by the Chinese government uh, as part of the effort to become climate neutral by 2060. Um, we will concentrate on planning, building, utilities and improving residential and industrial buildings. As you know, uh, China has made great advances in this and in our pre-talk among the panelists, I offered to send anyone who wants a policy paper on green manufacturing in China. This includes the audience. If the audience can find me, they can find me through the codes that Neville has mentioned. So, as you know, green tech itself is a vast field and it ranges from water, we'll get to that in a moment, uh, to smart cities materials, new processes, methods, as well as green finance. I think we need to address all of this holistically and we'll try to do that. And you know, from my bio, which you can see as, as, as Neville said uh, through the codes, that I believe in integrating research, industry, lifelong education in this exciting and challenging field. So, water is the essence of life. Um, and so Sandra Bell, um, our keynote speaker, will tell us all about it. Sandra, you, thank you. Yeah, thank you, Peter, and dear guests to the webinar, Green Tech Opportunities in China. Um, as already said, we will talk a little bit about water quality competence, but before we go into the details, I really would like to say uh, thank you on behalf of the FIGA group and the management team. We are really delighted to introduce you today, uh, a German family-owned company, and we would name ourselves a hidden champion in the building infrastructure solution business and water competence. We will share with you uh, the FIGA approach globally, as well as how we uh, apply it in China. I will share some insights uh, for our business partners in China, what we do in China, and we will also share ideas and discuss later in the panel how you as a German SMU can uh, take advantage of the opportunities in green tech in China, as there are plenty. China is big and developing very, very fast. We will also talk about the component of speed today. Um, therefore, if you I hope now to share my screen and I hope it works that you see it. And I will start with, how does this work now? Sorry, here we go. So a bit of the um, quick introduction who FIGA is. So FIGA has a history of 120 years. We are owned in the fourth, uh, between fourth and fifth generation of our founders. FIGA is, as I said, from Germany and we are located in the Sauerland, which is a kind of two hour drive from Frankfurt. 
Figa is a world mark leader for metallic press systems. And this is especially in the building infrastructure um, market around portable drinking water and heating systems. FIGA globally sells more than 17,000 products and services. We have 23 seminar centers worldwide where we train our people, our customers and business partners. And we employ more than 4,700 um, employees worldwide. We have especially, of course, facilities in Germany, but um, beyond Germany, it's then Switzerland, US, China and India. Our areas of competence um, are the lifelines for the buildings of tomorrow. So basically, we, is, we say that every lifeline, which is every piping system in the building, is where we are playing in and what we find very critical when we also look for sustainable um, building infrastructures. So this is about drinking water quality, it's about design, it's about fire protection, and of course, energy efficiency. And um, all four components play critically together. So in the end, to really have a green tech building um, in the future, all four components have to work together and are closely linked and have to work perfectly. Portable water competence is for us the core purpose of FIGA. We believe that high quality materials are very critical. We will show in a, in a second what we understand from that. We also believe in hygiene functions to ensure water mobility and avoid critical stagnation because in the end it's about cold and warm water and it's very important that the water is flowing all the time to avoid stagnation, but also temperatures are critical to maintain a good cold and warm water quality. All this knowledge, as we said, will be provided in seminars uh, through our trainers. We want to educate planners, wholesalers and specialists to share our ideas of how to protect portable water competence. And this is what we also do in China. As Peter already announced and Neville said as well, FIGA is one of the top 50 sustainability and climate leaders uh, selected by the UN. And uh, this makes us very proud, but also gives us a lot of uh, responsibility to really work on these critical areas to get to uh, carbon neutral buildings. And I would like to share a quick video, which uh, Neville hopefully can start now. All the world's buildings combined account for one-third of global energy use and one-fifth of all greenhouse gas emissions. One in three people don't have access to safe drinking water and in industrialized countries too, supplying high quality drinking water in almost any desired quantity will become a future challenge in the face of global warming. Securing a supply of perfectly hygienic drinking water in sensitive areas is no matter of course and demands advanced technologies. FIGA, connected in quality, this is our promise. FIGA is probably the best producer of water and heating piping systems in the world. We produce and install more than pipes and fittings. We are developing piping systems, mainly for drinking water and heating applications. Our mission 
is to make people's lives better, working closely with our market partners around the world, with systems that help to supply clean water and save energy, and which will contribute to achieving ambitious climate goals. Our purpose, installing lifelines for the buildings of tomorrow, gives us a very clear direction. We ensure safety in buildings, comfort in homes, drinking water hygiene and energy efficiency. This is what really drives us every day. We see our responsibility in particular in maintaining clean drinking water in buildings while improving the energy efficiency. Energy use in buildings is responsible for almost 20% of global greenhouse gas emissions and the energy demand is continuously increasing. In 2050, two-thirds of the world population will live in cities, and this is almost 20% more than today. We normally heat our water in buildings continuously at more than 60 degrees. This is a really large part of the building's energy requirement. We often flush hundreds of liters out, and if this is not done, stagnation of the water in buildings creates hygiene problems, affecting our health and creating economic damage. And that's where we come in as a quality guard. We've developed intelligent water management solutions that recognize and regulate deviations before risks arise. We not only control the drinking water quality, but also found a way to manage it in a resource efficient manner to save water and energy. So in this way, we make a sustainable contribution to energy efficient buildings and our health. So um, I hope you see again my presentation. This was a little video of uh, FIGA and the climate uh, leaders for the UN. If you are interested, you can watch the whole film, but I wanted to give you a quick uh, introduction into FIGA. And as you hopefully understood, we are really committed to the lifelines of the buildings of tomorrow. We stand for water quality, competence and energy efficiency. And if we now transfer that to China, what it means for the market and China's market ambitions, we talk about 1.4 billion people. We have a fast urbanization and the middle class is growing uh, day by day rapidly. So already the building infrastructure market, if we only look into water related solutions, is more than 20 billion euro. So therefore, there's a big market for um, companies like FIGA and many other German companies listening possibly today. At the same time, China really put out that they drive for climate neutrality by 2060. And this is a really big, big project, which implies a fundamental change of any planning, execution in infrastructure buildings, of course, in many other areas. But if we look into infrastructure, it will be a lot about quality um, and it will be a key driver to manage drinking water heating solutions to make that happen. Because if you look around and if you have traveled and, and you are living in China, you see a lot of uh, buildings, but many buildings are not really lasting for the future. And this has to change. In the end, if we want to become climate neutral, we need to find a way to build buildings which last very long and don't need a lot of maintenance. And this is, as, as Anna said, we come in as a quality guard to make that happen. Um, what do we do in China? So as said, we have the 
The portable drinking water is our key competence. We bring it. We have a lot of experience in, in Germany and fulfill German high-end standards. And we now want, are basically translating them into the Chinese market. On the one hand, we closely cooperate with Chinese design institutes, universities like the Fudan, for example, in Shanghai, where we try and jointly learn and understand the Chinese market requirements, which is very important. Uh, China is very different than Germany, so not what in Germany works, works also in China. So we need to understand to see how this works together and then develop and upgrade the so-called national association standards because finally the Chinese government um, is running very uh, tight what is allowed and what is not allowed and wanted in the building infrastructure market as well. So therefore, we basically bring the knowledge from from, China, uh, from Germany, what we have, to China. And nowadays, we not only import products to Germ from Germany to China, but we also innovate locally and produce local products fitting to the market. Who is FIGA in China at the moment? So we, we launched our business in 2013. Our headquarter is in Wuxi in the Jiangsu province, two hour drive from Shanghai. We have here a factory. We also have a seminar center in addition to Wuxi in Shanghai in the core, in the heart of Shanghai. So you're all welcome to, to visit and to see our products, how they are being used because it's finally a complete system of drinking water solutions. So the key products we have is for example, Profipress, Sunpress Inox, these are the metal piping systems from Germany. And we have the local um, designed versions, Cleverpress and Julian as well, also a lot of drainage and pre-wall solutions to complement the whole portfolio. Why is portable water quality so critical? Um, I just wanted to give a few ideas here why we talk about it. Because drinking water, as Peter said, is basically the basis of, of life. And therefore, health and hygiene uh, will provide a better living. And it's strongly connected also then with energy efficiency and sustainable buildings. So it, it basically, as a rule of thumb, you can say that temperatures are very important. Cold water, for example, should be always below 25 degree. Hot water should be have at minimum of 55 degree. But it's also about water exchange. It should not stagnate in the piping systems. Same as velocity, how fast you push it through. Uh, if you think about your bathroom and you want a rain shower to work, there has to be also enough water coming out so that you have a nice experience. So basically that this whole system works, this is where, where FIGA um, provides the reliable materials and systems. And um, for us, it's also important, and this is what Peter mentioned, that we try to, to teach and learn together with our business partners how we do that, because it's a lot about right planning, right um, execution, and some rules have to be followed. For us, the key element here is the ring installation, for example, where you here see as a very simple um, view of a bathroom, possibly you have a shower, you have a WC, you have maybe a wash basin, but the important thing is that you see on the right-hand side is that they're all interlinked in a kind of ring installation so that whenever you flush the WC, the whole water gets flushed through. So no stagnation of water happens, you always have fresh water. Another example is that we say um, 
if you don't do that, what could be the, the issues basically? Because you will see if you look into the Chinese um, market, you often see that the warm water might be um, not warm enough, the cold water is not cold enough, and then you have the problem of Legonella or other um, not hygienic water. Also, uh, very simple rules that you should not connect portable drinking water with non-portable water. What it happens here in the lower picture is a kind of simple rule, but the execution of the same in the daily life is not that simple. And this is where, where we are really committed to drive the quality up. Um, and therefore, we are already very happy um, every year in the KBC. This is the Kitchen and Bathroom China exhibition. Every year we show our new innovation because every day it is our commitment to make life better. So even the simple rules to make them happen, but also to innovate every day a little bit more to complement a whole solution of drinking water, heating systems, so that your bathroom, your kitchen, your living in your house in residential, but even offices, commercials or industries work well. Thank you for listening to this short note. And I give back to uh, Peter then for the discussion. Yes, Thank great. You. Thank you. Uh, I think uh, we we had a quick uh, question, Neville. I, I saw it. I'll take it. Um, what was the most famous building that you equipped with FIGA systems? Actually, there are many famous ones. So if you look worldwide, there are uh, the the in the in the. Um, the, uh, the, the, the the Statue of Liberty is possibly one of the key um, iconic buildings, if you think about where uh, FIGA is being built. We are also in a research center in the Antarctic where you have very strong cold uh, climates. So uh, we would claim that FIGA is in every German household. So we I think we are proud that we are everywhere there, but we are also in many landmark towers. Or if you think the Sydney Opera, we are included in there with our press technologies. And in China, we are, um, for example, in a couple of big high-end um, villas of really known people who are unfortunately so known that they don't want to be named here. But if you think of the riches of the riches, um, then we are in, there, in those uh, villas, yes. <laughs> Sandra brings me to my... Next question, and to a more general uh, statement, um, we now in the, at the point where we have a panel discussion. I'll come back to you, Sandra, immediately, but just to say that on our panel are Corinne Abele, um, the representative of Germany Trade and Invest in Shanghai, Winfried Meyer, the founder of MPS Bauplanung, and Johannes Kreisig, the chairman of the German Sustainable Building Council, and of course, Sandra. So, Sandra, you, you've already hinted at that one, but tell us about uh, two questions, really. What's the market segments that you address in China, and what kind of ecosystem do you need to be effective? Um, on the market uh, segments, I think as a German company, the first and foremost is that you have to be high-end and luxury because uh, you will always have Chinese local competitors who always will be cheaper. So in the end, uh, with the German quality, 
standards, with our uh, commitment to high quality, we are definitely in the high-end luxury uh, segments. And this this is where we basically come into play. If you think about um, where sits the money, this is definitely the rich customers, the higher middle class and upwards, the rich, rich people, because um, there are two reasons. One is that health is a big topic in China and uh, even the health issues that makes people leave. So if you ask Chinese um, experts in in US why they left China, it's often a health topic. And um, therefore, they also have the pockets then to afford um, this high quality uh, systems, which are definitely more expensive than a very um, plastic piping system, for example. And um, we are behind the wall. So basically, we can also not offer too much status uh, for Chinese people, so you really are need to be willing to to invest in this quality. Um, and a second component is possibly China is a very big market, so you have to choose your battlefield and be there where your customer is. This is uh, a hint I can give just every German company or every international company. Um, pick the markets, the tier one or tier two cities. For us in the building industry, it's often even the suburbs and not the, the city centers where people really live. Yes, thank you. Great. Uh, welcome back to you. Let me welcome Johannes Kreisig, um, the chairman of the German Sustainable Buildings Association. Johannes, we've all, we've all heard about the changes in Chinese buildings. Uh, we, we know that affordable both uh, um, private and industrial space has become scarce. Building is important. It, I think it's about 27% of GDP. Will sustainable buildings become more important? And how is this linked to smart cities? Thank you, Peter. And uh, hello, everybody also from my side. I think the climate crisis makes it clear. A climate neutral world and climate neutral China in 2060 or later or sooner is not thinkable without a transformation of our built environment, especially our buildings and our building stock and the way we build. Um, our, our way we build today, we design and build is not uh, the the uh, appropriate fundament for a, a climate neutral world. But buildings are not just investment goods where we can walk in. This is important to understand. Buildings are our, our living environments, our homes. They are today and more and more in the future um, healthy. They have to be healthy spaces, resilient towards um, a more and more uh, um, changing environment, also a result from climate crisis. And buildings, they have to be without a negative impact on climate and resources. They have to protect nature and uh, the environment. So this is a, 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 a very big uh, um, list of, of aspects uh, which are important for the buildings. And if you uh, if you want to find a word for that, covering these aspects, it's sustainability, it's sustainable development. And th so this is a concept 
which brings in the, these uh, various aspects into uh, the design and build process and, and uh, how we operate existing buildings. And therefore, it is clear uh, that sustainable buildings become more and more important um, um, uh, in the future. And uh, it's, it's the growing market part. So the non-sustainable buildings will be there for a, for a long time, unfortunately. But the growing part is our, our other sustainable buildings. And that's the part where we want to be. This is an interesting part of the market. Perfect. Thank you. I, I actually look forward to pursuing this outside this webinar. Um, <laughs> one of our participants, Winfried Meyer, has great experience in building industrial industrial buildings in China, and he'll tell you the number of buildings he's done. Now, Winfried, it's curious, please tell us, what are the developments with regard to industrial buildings in China? Uh, please unlock your um, microphone. Thank you, Peter. Welcome to everybody from my side. Yes, uh, we started our um, business in China in 2001, and we are doing only industry buildings for German-speaking uh, companies. And the change from 2001 to now is really, really a huge step, uh, but not all over the country and not in all companies, but um, in generally the German requirements from the companies and from the from the investors are much more higher than it's on the Chinese market usual. So um, from the beginning, we are going with a high standard and with a high quality in the project. And we have to teach from the beginning the local design institutes and uh, the general contractors to understand the requirements of uh, the German clients. So, and it, it works well and develops and, and so on. And, and finally, uh, the, the, the Chinese uh, codes from the government, uh, they increased their U values, for example. So in the beginning, there was nothing. Now they have a real good standard for, for the moment, if you compare it uh, with other countries. And it develops, but not all this, uh, not all this uh, developments are practiced from 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 the Chinese side. Uh, some Chinese uh, general contractors or Chinese investors ignore it, so that there must be uh, a lot of work done to 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 to, to uh, bring all the people in the right direction. For example, uh, we made in the last. Uh, weeks uh, cost estimation pre-qualification for a new project and asked five or uh, ten, ten general contractors to give a cost estimation for a new building. And in this cost estimation sheet from our side, there was inside a geothermal system to, for, for heating and for cooling of the building. And one of these general contractors answered me, oh, I don't make the, made this calculation because it is not usual and it doesn't work in, in the Yangtze area in China, around Shanghai. So it means they have no idea what we are talking about, but they want to, to tell me uh, what is right. Uh, 
but these geothermal systems in, uh, around Shanghai, this is really a big goal because the groundwater level is uh, only 40 centimeters under the ground, and it helps every company and every project uh, to, to, to save energy without a big investment. The return of investment for such an installation is around 3.8, 3.9, uh, four years, nothing else. And, in, and the biggest uh, system we have installed is uh, 2.8 megawatts. For, for, for a plant. So, and, and there you see what is the value where, where you can, can save uh, energy there. Hmm? Yes. I think this is also a very interesting topic to be pursued separately. Winfred, we have, thanks, Neville, for picking this up. We have two supplementary questions. Number one, who are the investors in your buildings? And the second question is, is this for retrofit or modernization? Yes, uh, the, the, the investors for, for, for our buildings are normally German uh, KM, KMUs. So uh, coming from German, want to want to go to, to China to, to make productions. And most of the projects are greenfield projects. Yeah. And the small, small, small projects are uh, 10,000 square meters. And the biggest what we have done is 110,000 square meters. So yeah. and then we talk about a, a big amount of investment, uh, and if you save a little energy there for for for, uh, for the insulation or for, for technical equipment, then finally uh, the, in the the running costs of the of the plant is uh, a very very good saving. Yes, and the second question is uh, for renovation or decoration. What we are doing there. These are very, very less projects uh, because uh, the most renovation projects uh, in China are only fo focused on the decoration uh, or when the roof is leaking. Uh, from, from outside, from outside, the most uh, don't invest uh, in existing buildings because the structure of existing buildings are normally not really. Uh, in the quality and the quality which we want to use next 20 years. Oh dear. Yes, in fact, my, my own roof in uh, Wuhan needs build, rebuilding. We'll talk. <laughs> thank you. Um, thank you very much. Um, let me address our expert, Corinne Abele. Corinne, who works for, uh, who works from Shanghai. Um, and who has had lunch, apparently, or is having lunch now. Uh, Corinne, um, do you actually see that people are becoming more aware of higher energy efficiency in private and uh, industrial buildings? And uh, supplementary, do you see changes in standards and quality criteria? Yeah, thank you. Thank you uh, for... Uh, having me here and also addressing this question. Maybe I just wanted to follow up once because uh, it was just mentioned the, the, the quality of the buildings. Um, um, Mr. Uh, uh, Maya just mentioned, um, as you all know, at the moment, we do have the energy crisis in China, right? So everybody is looking more into what does that really mean, energy efficiency. And some of the industrial guys, they are considering building up uh, PV, right? Solar 
on their roofs, but they have to find out that the roofs are not stable enough, actually, yes. in the industrial buildings. So just that that's an add-on. So we are talking about rather, especially in the pre-provided industrial facilities from, for example, from industrial parks and so on uh, about lower quality, which is also, a, um, I think, if we want to go into the large scale, we have to address also the industrial um, administration, actually, about the industrial parks. So just, just that uh, um, a short add-on. Uh, concerning to the standards, yes, we do see progress, but uh, when I talk to uh, especially architects or design institutes, the requirements are there from the uh, governments, uh, different due to the regions. You have some regions like Beijing or Tianjin, which do have higher requirements. So uh, in any plan an architect is doing, especially German architects are doing, um, there are energy efficiency requirements inside, but are they really realized? That's another question. Um, because uh, if it comes to cost, that's the part which is falling out. Or if it comes to how to implement it, also already mentioned, that's the part very difficult to realize because sometimes people don't know how to implement it and the knowledge is missing. Um, but there is improvement. And I, if I look into the press, for example, I find it very interesting that we tend now to talk more about um, uh, carbon neutrality than about energy efficiency. But that doesn't matter because it comes to finally the same result. Um, but for example, um, I read that in, in, in uh, April um, there was the preparation, I think, almost done about a zero carbon building technology standard. Uh, maybe some of the um, um, professionals, they, they do know more about it, but that's kind of a first step. And you can also find um, what I think is very interesting. Um, you find 12 Chinese cities actually involved uh, in the initiative uh, called the C40 cities, which are uh, which have committed themselves um, to various degrees um, to contribute to the Paris Agreement. And uh, these are the big cities are all in it, like Beijing, Chengdu, Nanjing, Hangzhou, Guangzhou, just to mention some, you will find them also on the website. And they do have, and that's the interesting part, different um, projects and pilots. Um, for example, Beijing has an ultra low energy uh, residential building pilot. Um, and uh, Shanghai actually in the actually in the in the uh, district I'm living in in Changning, they're trying to to find a benchmark for commercial buildings. Um, so I think there is a lot of ongoing and uh, final remark maybe um, the emission trading scheme is uh, has started in in China right uh, the building sector is out uh, we are concentrating at the moment at the energy sector but. If you look uh, into the pilots, into the regional pilots, which have been around the corner for already some years, for example, in Shenzhen, there are buildings inside the scheme. So I think in the long run, that will also finally reach the building sector and will open up some other opportunities uh, for investors and for um, also suppliers of um, technology and energy efficiency technology. Yeah, so thanks a lot. <laughs> That, that was very interesting, Corinne. Corinne, uh, emission trading, has that not slowed down in the last two years due to the pandemic and uh, because of this emerging energy crisis? Well, at the moment, you have to say it has stopped. It has just started in China. It has been around in different pilots, 
um, for some years, right? Like in Shanghai or Shenzhen or other regions, also smaller cities uh, with different focus. Uh, but the nationwide scheme just has started in July and with a focus on the energy sector. Um, uh -huh. But um, other sectors are going to be included, I think not too far away, uh, time-wise, uh, like the chemical sector um, is one of it. Um, so we will see it's progressing. Um, has it slowed down? I think it's too early to say because it has just started, right? So yeah. we have still to wait that it's really uh, getting speed. Um, and uh, with the energy crisis, well, this is maybe we can talk about this a little bit later. This is a, a, a really a major a major crisis, which I think nobody has foreseen in this extent, uh, even not the even not the the, the, the central government. Yeah. yeah. From from my own work in my innovation center, I know that a lot of the German ideas about emission trading were transcribed into China. So people dealing with this will find the texts and prescriptions and standards quite familiar. Uh, and and of course, in the interior, as you say, um, we know from Sandra who says, pick your battlefields uh, in third ranking cities, uh, even though Wuhan wouldn't confess to that, we're far from any such trading. <laughs> Good. Thank you so much. Uh, interesting. Claudia Sanders. You're from an architectural association. The question is, what contribution can German architects, planners and others make? Uh, yes, thanks very much, Peter. Um, well, as I was falling a little bit off the introduction table, I uh, just introduced quickly myself. My name is Claudia Sanders and I'm the project coordinator of the Network for Architecture Exchange, which is, as Peter mentioned, um, a network platform for German architects uh, of all disciplines, urban and specialized planners, and also, of course, German engineers. And all uh, these are part of the German construction value chain as we uh, talk about it. Um, German architects, planners and engineers stand for high quality planning and for the high designing standards as well. They care with an holistic and oops, wait a second, that was my phone, that was not very professional. Um, they do care with a holistic and uh, sustainable approach for the realization of challenging projects all over the world. So they do think green and they do um, realize projects who uh, use green tech and energy efficiency being smart cities in the end of today and in the future. Um, the benefit, um, I think, of their excellent training enables German planners all over the world to not only plan and design projects that meet the expectations of present projects and of their clients, but also with their responsible and inclusive thinking, as we say, from A to Z. So being responsible from the beginning until the very end, until the building gets into use. Um, uh, these German planners actually prepare project solutions for their clients and for the users that still meet uh, the needs of the 
near future. And as Corinne said uh, beforehand, it's they do think green. They do realize projects in China with all this very green, sufficient, holistic, sustainable, energy efficient, efficient thinking in China. They do plan it, but what about the realization? That might be a different uh, topic as well. Um, architects and engineers from Germany are willing to share their experiences and know-how um, with others. So, so they do uh, give trainings in other countries, e.g. Uh, in China as well. And uh, with this, they uh, increase the quality. They like to increase the quality of architecture and build up, of course, awareness um, for the climatic problems and challenges, uh, challenges we are facing right now worldwide and very clearly. Um, architects are, of course, always the first to uh, be addressed to these problems, and they are the first to, with our with our urban planning and design process, um, who do find uh, sustainable, holistic, energy efficient solutions for buildings and for urban planning worldwide. So, uh, in this way, the high quality work for us is a constant contribution to smart cities worldwide, but made by architects and engineers. Uh, in Germany, so planned in Germany, realized abroad maybe, but uh, yeah, we're yeah. we're there. <laughs> yeah, very good, I like it, uh, and and we'll all uh, we'll all attend your event sooner or later. Um, let, let me uh, uh, thank you so much, um, and uh, uh, and you realize there are many ideas which perhaps can flow into your discussions as well already around the table. Definitely. Johannes, let me. Let me torture you a bit more. Now, you escaped by saying, you know, the, we're, we're dealing with those buildings that are coming up. But we all know that a very unusual situation has happened in China from nowhere. Uh, there was suddenly an unbelievable built environment. Um, I, I was particularly involved uh, in European work on bridges. You don't you can't imagine how many bridges in Germany are damaged, for example, and need repair. Absolutely tens of thousands. Um, and, uh, and in China, there must be more bridges than in Germany. So, so what uh, can be done about the prolongation of the lifespans and the prolongation of the life of this built-up infrastructure? Yeah, this is, uh, this is a key question uh, if we talk about uh, uh, a climate neutral China in 2060 or yes. late, sooner or later. Uh, our our simulations uh, have shown that without a massive increase of the service life of the buildings, it is uh, not possible to uh, to come to a climate uh, neutral sector building sector. And uh, um, and and this is. Um, Clear and for this we need the instruments. Um, um, and one of the instruments is on the new build side. Um, this is uh, the integral integral sustainable design, um, where architects and engineers work together already in the design stage to optimize. And uh, to give you an example. Um, if we talk about embodied carbon, so the carbon uh, which comes from production of the building materials, 
the the amount of material is, is clearly a, a, a key factor. And if uh, architects and engineers do not talk together um, and plan together, um, we have uh, the uh, this, uh, the security surcharges uh, always on two sides because the one does not know if the other is putting it in. And so uh, our analysis have shown that you have in average almost the double amount of concrete per square meter uh, office space in a Chinese office building than in a German office building. So this is one aspect. So integral sustainable design is, is key, but also um, the, the uh, radical increase of the quality of the building and the quality um, is uh, in structure and in installation so both um, and it's also a part of quality if you have flexibility of the building because yes. if the building is not possible to use somewhere else and this needs other thinking in renovation as well how or for what we use our buildings instead of breaking them down and uh, and building new everything uh, after a, a while we have to think how to bring them in a second life so to say and um, with the DGNB certification system for new build and for renovation, we have built such an instrument which helps the sustainable uh, design planning and design and, and to, to bring uh, the building stock also uh, in, in the right direction. So service life in the end is a function of quality, performance and flexibility. Yes. Yeah. Um, is, is that... Um... Uh, do you deal also with industrial buildings? Yes, of course. Yes, of course. Yes. So uh, if you think about uh, uh, a logistics uh, uh, building, huge spaces, and typically you have a single functionality in, in that huge space, which covers uh, a lot of, 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 uh, of the plot. And if you in the future, it is clear that we integrate uh, PV on the roof from the very beginning, um, but we also integrate, uh, for example, uh, aspects for other sustainability uh, aspects like biodiversity in, in green facade or whatever, and uh, that we use these spaces to uh, for, for the sponge city uh, that we, that they yes. cover the the, the water, uh, and so we do not get the floodings we get with heavy rain today. Yeah, that that is a. A funny one because you know that the sponge city is synonymous, in fact, with a whole raft of measures that have to do with water management. And uh, I, I, I'm so amused by some of the Chinese discussion uh, of sponge city, which seems to suggest all you do is you have a material which is called sponge, and you build this material, this strange material, somewhere, and then you're done. But in reality, it is. Um, the water managed sponge city means a total redesign of cities. Yes, absolutely. And and it's not done on the building level. You have yes. to do it on the but city level. You know, you, you uh, I mean, minimum quarter, even if a quarter in China can also be big, but actually in it's on the city level. Yes. yes. Yeah. So good. Um, Sandra, let me uh, 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 talk to you a bit. Uh, you, you, I, I had this um, 
thing with the ecosystem earlier, you know, the, your water is not something in isolation. Um, and from you, uh, uh, from your presentation, I saw this horrible, in retrospect, horrible, but all too familiar picture of how different systems are closely placed to each other and how the heating impacts on the co supposedly cold water, uh, cold drinking water. Now, when you work on your water piping, what do you do with all those people that deal with waste, electricity, heating, etc.? What's the ecosystem that you need? Yeah, that's a very good question. I think Corinne and um, others already mentioned it. The execution is usually the problem. I think we all agree that there are a lot of good ideas, concepts already ready in the world, how to do green building proper installations. Um, but the, the key issue usually is the execution and the daily maintenance that it lasts not just for one week, but then for the next 10 years. And therefore, yes, uh, one of the focus uh, of us is the drinking water competence. But as said, it all goes together because energy efficiency is in the building very important. And it depends then if you have hot water or cold water, you need to have the energy levels to maintain the right temperatures. So it all works together and it, you cannot just focus on one. It all has to work together. And areas how we do that, uh, maybe to share one is definitely educating the people because um, in the end it cannot be the let's say the German architect or a, a planner who has the knowledge in the end it's about the plumber it's about the local institutions who all have to work together so we invest a lot of uh, time and people and manpower actually in uh, seminar centers to educate our customers and plumbers we have different programs but and we work very closely together with the institutions because we all know China if China wants something it will happen and therefore it has to go into national standards i think we also talked about it um, before that all the the infrastructure is documented in association standards in national standards every province may have different ones but therefore you have to cooperate with all these um, high government bodies in the end to make sure that the rules of how to build are being documented in this specifications so that nobody can get out basically out uh, of these rules. And this is where we strongly work together to make this happen, that the rules get changed. And I know Johannes from DGNB is doing the same thing. We all want that basically these rules get documented so everybody has to do it. And then if they have to do it, uh, we are there to help them how to execute. So if we look into a new infrastructure building, we basically bring our own people. We do all the planning, all the execution, because at the moment we often don't trust that it gets happened without our support. But over time and time you educate your team and then you let them go and just more monitor over time. But in the end, you have to build your own network of people, plumbers, architects, local guys whom you can trust that they work according to your standards. Um, Sandra, I'm, I'm, I continue to be curious here. Uh, you know, no, one, one of my um, eternal conflicts um, has been uh, vocational education in China. And uh, uh, 
1918, I was asked by the State Council to contribute to the two sessions, which is government policy. And people asked me, you know, German background, what can we do to promote vocational education better? So my short answer, which didn't please the research department of the State Council was, pay them better. <laughs> because, um, you know, there is a total drop, even at the university level, between those people who go into general studies, business, God knows what, and uh, the people who go into a more vocational track. Uh, so, yes, pay them better. I, I, and um, uh, I, I said this, of course, to Li Keqiang. So um, he was a bit taken back, but he is a great diplomat. So he knows how to handle such situations. I agree. Uh, and there are actually, if you take the Shenzhen area, for example, there are a lot of um, institutions nowadays where they really educate um, people, maybe not exactly in the same fashion as we do, but there are these training centers. And there we have to make sure in the end um, that they work in the same fashion as what what we also think will help China. And, and therefore, I think the close cooperation is the best. And we have to learn what they need and we have to think what we can bring as experience. It will be definitely a China way and not a not a German way. So, so in the end, this is the, the cooperation together. And therefore, I find it uh, super helpful to have these conversations also with universities. We, we work with students together to lock them in, in the end, with the thinking of green buildings. Great. Uh, Corinne, you, had a, you wanted to say something. I, I, I just wanted... I just wanted to put it in the in the bigger context because from my point of view it's is really interesting even the crackdown of the after school system at the moment right the bushy ban system has actually to do with the vocational training because um the the agenda behind is a little bit we just want to have the people uh, capable uh, at the university at the universities and more people actually in the professional training so in the long run actually this could mean that the emphasis is a little bit shifting to more vocational training, to more professional training. And this could be also in the, well, not immediate, but long run be of uh, profitable to the to the building sector. I, I do believe so. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Good, good point. Um, uh, let me just uh, get back uh, to, to, uh, to some of the questions that have popped up. Um, uh, Winfried, um, somebody asks, what are the most required green building technologies now in China? Yes, uh, first of well, first of all, uh, the, the geothermal. I have to, to to start again because it's it's different. Normally, the clients don't ask me uh, because we uh, recommend something because anymore when when a client comes for an industrial building. Uh, they don't know what they what what they want. They know only twenty percent. But finally, we have to lead them to 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 to, to the building. And in and we start with a, a long questionnaire to ask him what they are want. And for the for the green buildings uh, requ uh, requirements is one of the the most uh, used topics is a geothermal system for heating and for. Um, Heating and for for cooling. Uh, on second is photovoltaic, yeah? and uh, the third is they want to have a green roof. 
because they want to show visible that they are a green company. Geothermal system, nobody can see because it's in the underground. But uh, photovoltaic and, and the green roof uh, this, uh, could, could be seen by, by visitors and by some uh, other people who are coming there. Uh, and the, 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 the point is in the, in the moment what we are uh, tell the client and they understand that we take in our specification for, 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 for the handcrafts in China and for the general contractors that they know what we require. We want to have uh, at the end of the, of the building a door blow test so that the joints of the buildings are not open, that it's closed and everything what the client invests in the insulation uh, will not fail because there are a lot of open joints. And this is a very good uh, measure, it's a very good tool to, to bring the general contractors uh, to take care about this because if it fails, there is a penalty. And if there is no penalty, nobody will follow. Ah, okay. Mm -hmm. Yes, uh, 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 links to another to another point, which uh, um, uh, uh, any one of you can actually answer uh, if you wish. Um, there's a question. Uh, are, there are two questions. One is, uh, do people apply a green building council rule? Seems to be a British bent question. And and uh, and are green regulation as strictly enforced in China as they are in Germany? Johannes, do you have any green building council ideas? Um, yeah, I I think we are uh, a few steps ahead here in in Germany with enforcement uh, these uh, these rules uh, in the market. I have already answered in the. Uh, in the chat uh, that uh, the, ah, yeah. the ideas are already picked up by research organizations uh, which bring them into the first standards now. In, in Germany we have the standards applied for about 10 to 15 years and uh, and a part of the market uh, has already picked up to give an example uh, in the commercial building sector about 25 percent of the uh, sold floor space uh, is uh, uh, is certified um, and uh, so it's it's not in uh, in it's it's not in uh, uh, China up to now, but it's not about certification. It, it, in the end, it's about equality, uh, and uh, and the idea that we have to have carbon neutral building in the future uh, is all has already arrived in the German market, and in in China we are so to say at the step that it arrives in the market in the next yes. years. That is, this is a prerequisite for a, for a future proof building. Yeah, in, interesting, uh, Winfried. We may have to play on on the show quality of all this. You know, how mm -hmm. can we show that we're doing this, and then it will arrive. It, your uh, your perception uh, is is quite good. You know, you can see green roofs. You can see photovoltaic. How can we show that we're in a more carbon neutral building? Yes, interesting. Yes. Yeah, maybe to, just to just to add on here, um, I think what we do in Germany 
uh, and in many other countries uh, are two areas. Mm -hmm. One is the the so-called BIM, the building information modeling, where you yes. where you at least in many many uh, mature markets you are basically planning a kind of digital um, building in the computer with all the different professions. You know exactly who has to do what and when. Architects, plumbers, consultants are all in, and then the the execution gets much more efficient because it goes along this this process of BIM. This is one uh, big area which is uh, mandatory in German big projects. And this will also become mandatory, I bet on it, in the China uh, world very, very soon. And these are exactly then the rules. If they are set as a rule, everybody has to follow and then it will fall along. Because what we see, for example, in drinking water is in the in the past, they use plastic piping systems. This is the biggest market. 80% is still plastic piping. But the rules, the national rules now changed the last few years and next year will be even more severely changed that there has to be stainless steel pipes or copper pipes. So basically any government project is not allowed to build in plastic pipes in future. And this already changed the whole industry, but all piping uh, suppliers are now producing metal pipes. And this is how China will work in, in changing all of this. But the speed will be very fast. I think this we also have to have in mind, and we didn't talk about it uh, too much today. If China wants something, it will happen overnight, more or less, compared to German speed, at least. So yes. it will be all very fast. Yeah. Wittfried? Yes, I want to say something that most of the people don't know. It. Uh, the difference between China and, and, and Germany is that in China, all drawings, the whole design will be uh, checked by a checking bureau and will, will, will be stamped and approved at the end. So if China decided we want to have copper pipes, then it will be checked and you get your design back if there are no copper pipes in. So uh, this speeds up uh, the development very fast. And if I, if I look back to the last weeks here in, in Germany, in Baden-Württemberg, they decided uh, in, the, in, in the government to, to make a new Klimagesetz yeah, for Baden-Württemberg. But the last measure of, the, of this of this Klimagesetz will be start in summer 2023. So, yeah, <laughs> we can talk about the development of fast development. Then. Yeah, uh, we have a we have a hand from Mr. Wang. Mr. Wang, hello. Did you raise your hand to say something? Yes, I I I just uh, raised my hand. And, uh, I, it's very interesting and uh, to listen to. What you discussed about the uh, about the China policy and uh, my my question is so what about the German uh, uh, I'm very interested about the German uh, German policy also and uh, about the carbon uh, carbon peak and the carbon neutral uh, the green tag so compare with mainland China. And uh, uh, what 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 is uh, uh, because recent days China uh, the uh, you know the coal the coal price the price for coal uh, uh, increased sharply and uh, 
So I, I, I know in Lure Gebiet, in Lure area, Germany is also the cow producing area. And I, I would like to know what, what about your situation there? <laughs> yeah. Mr. Wang, we're giving up coal production. <laughs> oh. The, we're closing our last mines in the rural area. There's there's one left, I think, uh, and we're closing our uh, open pit mines in other areas. So there's there's this is all ending as part of okay. our energy change. Uh, Corinne, do you want to say something to this? Uh, yeah, maybe maybe just short. Um, um, I just mentioned the energy uh, crisis, which is basically basically, but not just exclusively a coal um, supply <laughs> crisis um, reflected in the in the up and high rising um, prices. Um, but if we if we talk that down to the building sector, actually, um, I mean, in China, the prices don't play uh, as have not the strong saying in incentives like in a in a full full market economy. So if you talk about, for example, energy prices in China, it was just regulated up to just a few days ago, actually. The NDRC sets the prices and that's it. So actually, when the coal rises up, uh, the coal price increased rapidly. It didn't. It was not passed on uh, to the customers, neither in the private households nor in the industry. Um, there, was a, there, is a, there is a benchmark of maybe 10% you can adjust. But now, uh, on the 12th of October, NDRC said, "Okay, we um, we skip that. So the coal, um, the mm, the electricity based um, on coal uh, is going to fluctuate more. Uh, normally, 20%. Normally, 20%. But in the stop in the spot market, there will be no there will be no ceiling. So that means definitely an energy price increase. But um, that's." foremost for industrial and commercial area, not yet to the households. This is a social issue. So they will not pass it on to the to the households. But what we saw is already that the that the plants, the energy plants, they just stopped producing, which is kind of uh, first time seeing in, in China because they are used to to losses. <laughs> Honestly, if you see it, we just did a study about it. There were always losses covered by normally by the state, right? But at this time with this with this coal price, it's really getting too too high, too much. So um, they really reduced also reducing the electricity, right? So that's um, there will be pressure on the energy prices. And I, I do believe I'm convinced that this will come to the building sector definitely sooner or later. We will maybe first see it in the industrial sector. I do believe it because there is already there. The issue is already there. Um, but um, to the households, yes. But maybe from my point also one additional remark is if you talk about energy efficiency and carbon neutrality in China, to my point of view, living here in Shanghai, maybe it's different in the countryside, uh, it's always very connected to a kind of lifestyle. Um, as, as Sandra also so mentioned, right? It's, 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 you can't show it, it's behind the walls, but you still have to show it to build a green, a green roof or uh, whatever, a sustainable material which you, which you can show off. So I think for a company to trying to get into the market, don't neglect this. Even from a German point of view, you are not into this, but you're always not just selling technology and energy efficiency. You're also always selling a kind of lifestyle which should um, be part of the marketing strategy. 
Mr. Wang, I'll get back to your German-related question, but Johannes wants to say something. <laughs> yes, uh, I just wanted to give an answer to the question of Mr. Wang. <laughs> um, and that's, in, in my understanding, in Germany, it's a, combina a combination of uh, 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 energy sector transformation towards renewable energy, like uh, Mr. Sachsenmeier already said. Um, so we, we have this transformation process and typically today and uh, a day like today we have about 50% renewables in the electricity uh, 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 grid mix, but it comes together with a massive renovation wave in the built environment and there it's a, it's a program pushed by the uh, European Union, uh, uh, this renovation wave, and this is towards zero carbon buildings. And uh, this is very important that we really do not a little step, we do the full step. We have to do and plan and do the full step now uh, to, uh, to zero. And uh, the supporting system is, a, is the sustainable finance uh, system where the investors are forced to uh, um, to publish uh, the, so to say, the perf uh, carbon performance of, of their buildings uh, in the future, and this is uh, a, a big step now. And uh, and together with the carbon tax system in Europe, uh, this is a very very strong instrument which is uh, leading towards uh, zero carbon. Yeah. Thank Thanks, Janice. Very well explained, Mr. Wang. For your curiosity, of course. In Germany, we're not immune from the big worldwide movements of energy. And we already experience that countries are selling more energy to China where it's needed, and our prices are rising as well. So we're not alone. We can hold hands and suffer together. And uh, I, I, I suppose it will hit us a bit more in, in, in Germany. We see we already see um, um, petrol prices increase at the pumps, dramatic increases. We see um, increases in oil and gas. Gas is a very important element of our energy mix here. So uh, we commiserate with you, but please commiserate with us as well, perhaps with the time delay. <laughs> yes. Good. Thank you. A pleasure. Thank you for being with us. Um, Sandra, one thing that is really important to me, I mentioned this in another context yesterday, is the topic of upskilling. And uh, I wondered about, you, you talked about taking people on board. T tell me about the time framework. How long has it taken you to develop a group of skilled plumbers to your specifications? Yes, so as a... You are totally right. It's a longer journey, I would uh, name it. There are different dimensions to it. One, you can start with base training and then advanced training and regular training. So maybe it takes you two years, I would say, roundabout, until a, a distributor, a wholesaler, a company who basically selling then our products and installing them by themselves with their team are capable to do that. Um, and even there, with big projects, we still do the planning and helping on tracking and monitoring and, and going and having a look whether it all works fine. Um, so let's say one expert, maybe two years. 
Yeah, mm -hmm. because also there's not an everyday project where they trained. You also have to put into the system that uh, projects take longer as such. Um, at the same time, we have the big challenge, as everybody has in China, that many people don't stay for two years and more. <laughs> so once you have trained them, they are already gone for the next endeavor or challenge yes. or job description. So basically, you have to have a constant pool of training all the time. So what we learned works uh, fairly well as a kind of train-the-trainers approach, nothing uh, new, but uh, basically you have one or two Germans who train the Chinese team, the Chinese team, the distributors, the distributors, their team, and so on, because you have to have the constant training of newcomers, because you never know how long they stay. Ah, interesting topic. Um, let me bring in somebody from outside, Thomas Fritsche. Can you switch on your microphone? Easy. I know you can do this. I have full trust in you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a technician, yeah. Thank you, yeah. Uh, uh, you, you made a remark um, um, and you talked about, I find this interesting from the point of view of market entry. You said, and the Chinese clients trust us and expect from us to bring in new technologies and ideas. Can you elaborate a bit? Um, yeah, I found interesting what Mr. Meyer said. Um, we experience this problem every day that uh, our clients are well, interested in new things, Thomas, I am afraid you're only what do you want and what is your Pardon? Your connection isn't good enough. So I, I, I'm, asked, I'm telling you that um, I appreciate what you wrote in the chat. Uh, in China, yeah. we have to guide the clients to realize sustainable buildings. We have the knowledge and the technology. So you're saying there is an opportunity. And thank you. Sorry for the bad connection. Claudia, you had something to say. Yes, I wanted to talk on uh, on what Thomas Fritsche actually wrote and um, because he's one of the experts, I mean, living as a German architect in China for many, many years, uh, in one of our um, Sino-German city labs we are just preparing. So the, as the export initiative of the Federal Chamber of German Architect, Architects, the Network for Architecture Exchange is, as I said before, promoting planning, uh, planning quality and architects, architecture made in Germany. And of course, we do trainings and, and all, our, our, all our activities around uh, export and smart city uh, topics. And one of our main topics at the moment uh, on the Chinese market, in the Chinese market, is the topic urban regeneration perspectives for Chinese cities. And we are currently doing um, a Sino-German city lab on this, which is running until the uh, middle of November, four weeks digital program and with uh, renowned internationally experienced uh, German architects like GMP, Graft, uh, HPP and others, as well as expert talks where uh, a colleague of Johannes so the DGNB will be present, and Thomas Fritsche is is one of them. And um, I'm I'm inviting all of you actually to have a look at it. I will write it in the um, in the in the chat because that's exactly one of our one of our topics. 
the uh, urban regeneration with all with all the levels and all the point of views which are um, important to this. And as I mentioned, Thomas Fritzsche is one of them. So we are definitely, as he wrote, we are having the knowledge and the technology and the Chinese are trusting us and we hopefully um, get in touch with decision makers from some cities and having a very good content chat with them. So go and have a look at our program and join us. Thank you. Perfect. Um, um, there is a, a question on the chat about local sourcing. Uh, uh, I, I'm, it says uh, source, source locally approach in China, uh, prefer a local supplier. Are you impacted by any of this? Perhaps Sandra? Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to answer. I think there is a trend, definitely also with uh, Xi Jinping and his um, way of um, promoting China and Chinese uh, qualities, China companies. So I think from a German standpoint, it's, ex it's definitely a big advantage if you have local facilities. So if you can claim that you produce locally, you innovate locally, it fits better to the Chinese market, it fits better to the Chinese uh, thinking about China for China. And uh, definitely it also helps to be fair on the sustainability point of view because we're also working on one project where they claim it has to be from China because uh, it is more sustainable than transporting the, the products around the world, which is definitely also a key topic at the moment as containers are getting very expensive and logistic cost. So overall, I think at the moment we are in a better position as a German company if you have local facilities, definitely. Ah, th thank you. Well put. Uh, just to amuse you, I'll be delivering a talk in Wuxi tomorrow morning. So I'm I'm doing uh, I'm following your advice, <laughs> yeah, although <laughs> virtually. Yeah. All right. Well, um, thank you very much. I I, I I'm so happy that um, we actually I'm quite enchanted with the way we talk today because we threw up quite a lot of new topics and. Uh, Thinking hard about the relationship with you, I, I think I have a little follow-up with every one of you, if only either out of curiosity or, in fact, even to do something in the future. And, uh, Claudia, once again, thanks for the invitation to the NAX Sino-German City Lab. I'm handing back to the producer, to Neville, to wrap up. Thank you very much, Peter. And it was a very good discussion. Um, and I'm sorry to have to bring it to an end. Maybe sometime, maybe we'll have to bring you back together to extend the conversation. So yeah. let me just uh, go back to sharing my screen. And okay, so. Here are the details of the um, the panel. If you'd like to follow up later with any of the panelists, audience members, please feel free to do so. Uh, I'd like to introduce another China team venture, which is the China Hot Pod uh, podcast. You can see on the right there, Xiaolong Hu, and below it, China Hot Pod. It's a podcast in German and it discusses um, issues 
that surround China, Germany, um, manufacturing and technical issues. Um, this webinar will be is being recorded, as I forgot to mention. It's being recorded and it will be available as a podcast and also a YouTube video. Um, and that should be up within the next couple of days, hopefully by Monday or the latest Tuesday. And uh, I think Dr. Sandra Bell has given permission for the slides to be shared. And in the podcast and on the video, I'll be leaving the details of how slides can be shared later. So um, that's coming up to 4.30. I will have to end it there. And thank you very much for attending the China Team China webinar. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. Thank you a lot. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. The next China webinar is scheduled for the 11th of November and is titled German Manufacturing Machines for Future Chinese Red Ocean. So look out for the Eventbrite registration that will appear in the next few days.